Such a rowdy group today. I love it. I've been up at the church in Wolfboro the last few Sundays, which has been really, really awesome. But every time, it's, it's so good to be home when I come back here. I just, I love it. You guys are great. So today, I'm going to be speaking on uh, forgiveness. And my dad asked me to share about this a couple weeks ago with some inspiration from a movie that we'll be showing clips from at the end. And I thought, oh, you know what, forgiveness, it's kind of like, it's the nice cliche thing to do, forgive people. But the more I thought about it, the more it got really heavy on my heart that forgiveness is really central, not just to our beliefs as Christians, but really to humanity as a whole. And to have it not spoken about at least every once in a while and reminded of its importance um, would be doing us a disservice, not just as believers and as people who love Jesus, but just as people in general. So we're going to pray so that I don't blabber. It'd be great. (laughs) Dear Jesus, we thank you so much for who you are and for all that you've done. I ask right now that you would speak through me, use me as a vessel for your word, that your Holy Spirit would speak to our hearts, even into the depths of the memories of things that we've held against people, that, that we would learn more of the importance of forgiveness, God, that you would have your way, your kingdom would come, your will would be done. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. So to start it out, we'll go with the basics, what forgiveness means, how it's defined. And as my father and I love to do, we like to look into the Greek of things because the New Testament Bible was written originally in the language of Greek. And so I think it's fun to every once in a while translate words because you find little hidden treasures. So for forgive, there are two Greek words. The first one is charizomai, or the word charis, which means grace. This means to bestow a favor unconditionally. To, so, to show yourself gracious, kind, benevolent, or to pardon, rescue, or deliver. This variation of the word indicates being gracious towards someone. The other variation is ephime, which means to send away. Also used to define the words divorce, or allow, yield, neglect, or abandon. So our first verse is in 1 John chapter 2, verses 10 through 12, where John writes, Whoever loves his brother abides in the light, and in him there is no cause for stumbling. But whoever hates his brother is in the darkness and walks in the darkness and does not know where he is going because the darkness has blinded his eyes. I'm writing to you, little children, because your sins are forgiven for his name's sake. Where it says forgiven in this verse, this verb is in the perfect tense, indicating that our sins have been sent away from us permanently. They are no more remembered against us. So that's what Jesus did, is our sins are forgiven permanently. When it's that word, FMA, it's to send away permanently without being remembered, without being held against us. That word is used again in the famous Lord's Prayer, where Jesus says, pray then like this, our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive or send away our debts as we also have forgiven or sent away our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For if you forgive others their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others their trespasses, neither will your Father forgive your trespass. So that's kind of like cool. So you have something to do. It's, it's an exchange, you know, as I said before, Forgiveness isn't just something that as Christians we, we teach. It's, it's known. Anyone at some point in their life has had to forgive somebody. Maybe you didn't want to, but it was the right thing to do. And anytime you've had to be forgiven for something. In John 20, verses 23, 
it says that if you forgive the sins of any, they are forgiven them. If you withhold forgiveness from any, it is withheld. Jesus here is saying that the power is ours. He told Peter that he is giving him the keys to the kingdom. Whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. Whatever you release on earth will be released in heaven. Jesus also said that greater things than he will we do. He raised people from the dead. He gave sight to the blind, and he made the deaf hear again. And yet here it's that, that sense of that if you forgive sins, they are forgiven. But if you're withheld, those sins are withheld against that person. We're now given the power and the responsibility to forgive. Have you ever been held captive by something you've done wrong to someone else and it's just kind of brooding over you? I was reminded during the first service that I owe someone some money, which I completely forgot about, and now I'm reminded and I've been held guilty for about a year, but she's nice, so it's okay. But that's what, <laughs> but that's what unforgiveness does. It's constantly like this burden on your head, like, I know that I haven't been reconciled with that person, and so it's important to forgive others. We have the power to forgive, and we can't take advantage of it. In Ephesians 4, verses 31 through 32 in the message version, it says, Make a clean break with all cutting, backbiting, profane talk. Be gentle with one another and sensitive. Forgive one another as quickly and thoroughly as God and Christ forgave you. And the word here isn't ephemae as in to send away. It's charisome. Awesome Greek. Which means, I'm going to read it again with the Greek translated. It says, make a clean break with all cutting, backbiting, profane talk. Be gentle with one another and sensitive. Bestow a favor unconditionally. Show yourself gracious, kind, benevolent. Pardon, rescue, and deliver others. One another quickly and thoroughly as God in Christ has bestowed unconditional favor on you. As quickly as Christ has shown you gracious favor, as kind as he has been to you, as benevolent, as quickly as he has pardoned you, as quickly as he has rescued you, as quickly as Christ has delivered you from sin, so must you also do the same to one another. When I was a kid, coming up, my aunt, my cousin Ashley is here. She'll remember having to do this when we were little. We would fight about the silliest things, but our parents were really good to teach us forgiveness when we were young. And so if we were fighting... We would have to stand this close to each other, nose to nose. We would be so mad because so-and-so did something rude to my doll or something like that. And we would have to stand this close until we couldn't be mad any longer. You're good. We would just start laughing because we're that close to each other's face. And I'd be like, oh, she's real funny looking. This is awesome. Just kidding, Ashley. You're beautiful. <laughs> but really, it's, it's making light of it, you know? It's that sense of sometimes we get so bitter. We're so quick to hold things against people and take offenses on so quickly. Lighten up. Relax. Life, life is hard, and there are people going through some really rough things. We need each other. We need community. That's why this church is important. That's why the family you have is important. Joke around with it every once in a while. You know, it's really hard to sometimes be like, the first one to forgive because you just want to hold your pride up and say, no, like, I have the right to hold this against you. It's my right as an individual. Well, sure. I mean, if Jesus didn't die for your sins and said that you're forgiven without any reason, I mean, if that didn't happen, yeah, you'd, sure, you'd have every right. But he did that. And he teaches us to do the same. In Matthew, I'll get this. I don't think I gave this to Eric. But in Matthew 18, Peter came up to Jesus and says, Oh, Jesus, you know, I think he's being tricky because he's probably mad at one of the other disciples. He goes, how often will I forgive my brother who sins against me? How often do I have to forgive him? Maybe, you know, seven times. It's not that much, seven times. And Jesus said, 
I did not say to you seven times, but 70 times seven. Basically, you don't run out of time, so you always have to forgive. It's the option. It's the only option. And Jesus continued with this parable. He says, therefore, the kingdom of heaven may be compared to a king who wished to settle accounts with his servants. When he began to settle, one was brought to him who owed him 10,000 talents. It's like me owing my friend $30. It's not 10,000, but that's okay. And since he could not pay, his master ordered him to be sold with his wife, his children, all that he had, and payment had to be made. So the servant fell on his knees imploring, have patience with me, I'll pay you everything. And out of pity for him, the master of that servant released him and forgave him the debt. What a cool thing. Can you imagine being $10,000 in debt and the guy is just like, Okay. You cried a little. You're good to go. But when that same servant went out, he found one of his fellow servants who owed him 100 denarii and seized him. It's $100 compared to 10000 This is now owed the same man. He began to choke him, saying, pay what you owe me. So his fellow servant fell down and pleaded with him, please have patience with me and I will pay you. The same plea the man had made to his master before. He refused and went and put him in prison until he could pay the debt. When his fellow servants saw what had taken place, they were greatly distressed, and they went and reported to their master all that had taken place. And his master summoned him and said, You wicked servant, I forgave you all that debt because you pleaded with me. Should I not have had mercy on your fellow servant as I had mercy on you? And in his anger, his master delivered him to the jailers until he could pay all his debt. So also my heavenly Father will do to every one of you if you do not forgive the brothers from your heart. so many times in the Bible, like communion. Jesus says, you know, don't come forth and drink of this cup. Don't do communion if you have odds against your brother. Don't bring your tithes up to the church if you have odds against somebody. He's that serious about it. Jen made a good point earlier when we were talking that Jesus was standing, sitting there with his disciples, knowing who was going to betray him, knowing that Peter would deny him three times, that Judas was going to hand him over to the authorities to be brutally murdered. And yet Jesus forgave him. That's the beauty of it. Forgiveness is so key, not just for ourselves, but for others. Jesus was all about the power of forgiveness because he knew what it did. He knows. It's not just saying forgive because if you don't, I'm going to not forgive you like this threat because he knows the benefit of it for yourself and for others that are around you. According to the respected health website, WebMD, if you can bring yourself to forgive, you are likely to enjoy lower blood pressure, stronger immune system, and a drop in the stress hormones circulating in your blood. Back pain, stomach problems, and headaches may disappear, and you'll reduce anger, bitterness, resentment, depression, and other negative emotions that accompany the failure to forgive. While refusing to forgive may not directly cause disease, according to WebMD, the negative impact of holding on to painful memories and past wounds can weaken the immune system and make you more susceptible to illness, including cancer. So we can talk till we're blue in the face about not smoking, not drinking, not having this, not doing that, and all these things that a lot of parents, great intentions, awesome, awesome hearts, I'm so glad I learned these lessons, tell our kids not to do because of the consequences of those actions. But I want to focus on the aspect of teaching each other and and living this out, forgiving one another. Because not only are you setting someone else free, but you're setting yourself free. I've had times in my life where people have wronged me, and I would have had every justification and reason to hold it against them, not talk to them. And even though they didn't want to hear it from me, I went and apologized and asked for their forgiveness anyway. Maybe they didn't forgive me, but I had to forgive myself as well for letting it happen. 
Sometimes the hardest person to forgive is yourself. But if you can connect with the thought that the creator of heaven and earth has already forgiven you for the wrongs that we continue to do on a daily basis, that they have been sent away from you permanently and they are remembered no more, I think we can forgive each other every once in a while. Big things, little things, we should be quick to forgive as quickly as he has forgiven us. Jesus said in Matthew 26, 28, For this is the blood of my covenant, which is poured out for many for the forgiveness of sins. Here, this is a totally new Greek word for the word forgiveness. It means freedom, pardon, deliverance, forgiveness, liberty, and remission. Jesus was all about forgiving sins. Even to the point of one day, the Pharisees, the very religious people of Jesus' day, called him out on it. Because all through the centuries before, it was only God who could forgive sins through sacrifices and ritual and obeying the codes of the law. That's what people had to go through to receive forgiveness. And here's Jesus just kind of romping around going, all right, you're forgiven. And so these Pharisees are like, you're a blasphemer, which basically in their day saying, you're going to go to hell. They're saying this to Jesus. And he's like, is it easier to say your sins are to forgiven or to rise up and walk? And so then he turned around to the guy, the paralytic, and said, get up and walk. And he took his bed and went home in front of everyone. And the crowds were amazed. This is what Jesus was all about doing, reconciling, healing, bringing forgiveness. Because sometimes, as it says in that web example from WebMD, some of the root to our issues, our health problems, diseases, depression, anxiety, a lot of it's rooted in unforgiveness. How many of you could say that you'll respond in a negative way to someone else because of something else somebody else did? And you just haven't forgiven it. I catch myself all the time getting, you know, snappy. And really, we got to think. Take time every morning or every once in a while and just say, you know, is there something I haven't forgiven somebody for? Something I haven't let myself relax from? Because Jesus is quick to forgive us as we should be quick to forgive others. As it said in Matthew 26, that it was his blood of the covenant which is poured out for the forgiveness of sins. It would be easy to say you don't have to forgive people if you don't understand the aspect of the ultimate sacrifice that Jesus took with his death on the cross. So I want to show you a clip to kind of display what that sacrifice may or may have looked like in C.S. Lewis's movie, The Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe. I watched this a few weeks ago, seen it before, but there was something different about watching it this time that impacted me with thinking about the idea of forgiveness. Here it is. <laughs> so that clip is pretty much what I base got the idea for this sermon. And um, it's a big picture to think of Jesus on the cross, forgiving the sins of the world. But I want you guys to consider something, even in for yourself. I'm sure there are those here who have things they haven't forgiven other people for and, and can look at that and think, oh, that's, that's cool, you know, that's a picture of Jesus and sacrificing his life for a traitor's stead. That's all good and stuff, but I'm, not, I'm just not going to let these things go. And this is an example I would like to show you. Consider this is you. You are the Jenga pile. Bear with me. Thanks, Dad. So... We build up these walls, say, someone betrayed you, so you build up, you put something on the wall, someone lied to you, take something else, not forgiving them for that, put that there. Maybe you were molested as a child. You can take a few blocks down for that one. 
because you got to keep your defenses up against people. You weren't properly loved by a parent, so there's some unforgiveness there. A friend of yours lied to you about something. The list can goes on. And you think, I'm building this wall up to protect myself. But what you don't realize is that while you're doing that, you're falling apart. And that literally, unforgiveness can weaken you so that this is now the person you have become. You're no longer, this is who you're created to be, strong and, and steadfast. And this is who you become. Bitter, enraged, depressed, full of anxiety, But this is what Jesus wants to do. He makes all things new. That's what he did by his death on the cross and rising again from the grave. You may believe it, you might not, but it happened and it's real and it's for you. That you have the chance as an individual when you forgive to become new. Each day, he makes everything new every morning. So if you are harboring bitterness, you are harboring unforgiveness, don't let yourself fall apart. Don't become that person. Don't become enraged and bitter and full of anxiety. Be whole because you can. It's possible through him. Some people look at me and they think I'm crazy because I'm just like running around and I got, I'm happy all the time. But I have tried my best and my hardest to be quick to forgive. And I'm not perfect at it, but I've seen both and. I've seen people who have been unforgiving and my heart breaks because it's like they're reaching for air, but they're holding themselves underwater. That's what unforgiveness does. And I implore you, look to Jesus, look to his example, because it's not our right to harbor unforgiveness. If Jesus, who has done no wrong, never did anything wrong, would willingly sacrifice his life so that we could have that freedom and that liberty, who are we to hold it against others? We all need each other. We need to be quick to forgive and be quick to ask for forgiveness as well. So before I pray, I want to close with this little bit from Ephesians. Um, This is out of the message version. I, I love it. It says, It wasn't so long ago that you were mired in that old stagnant life of sin. You let the world, which doesn't know the first thing about living, tell you how to live. You filled your lungs with polluted unbelief and then exhaled disobedience. We all did it. All of us doing what we felt like doing when we felt like doing it. All of us in the same boat all of us traitors. It's a wonder God didn't lose his temper, temper and do away with the whole lot of us. Instead, immense in mercy and with an incredible love, he embraced us. He took our sin-dead lives and made us alive in Christ Jesus. He did all this on his own with no help from us. Then he picked us up and set us down in the highest heaven in company with Jesus, our Savior. Now God has us where he wants us with all the time in this world and the next to shower grace and kindness upon us in Christ. Saving is all his idea and all his work. All we have to do is trust him enough to let him do it. It's God's gift from start to finish. But don't take any of this for granted. It was only yesterday that we were outsiders to God's ways, had no idea of any of this, didn't know the first thing about the way God worked, hadn't the faintest idea of who Jesus was or what he was doing. We knew nothing of that rich history of God's covenant and promises in Israel, hadn't a clue about what God was doing in the world at large. But now because of Jesus dying that death and shedding that blood, we who were once out of it altogether are in on everything. Death has been turned around. The Messiah, Jesus, has made things up between us so that we're now together on this, both religious and non-religious. 
He tore down the wall we used to keep each other at a distance. Who are we to build it back up? He tore down the wall we used to keep each other at a distance. I just said that. He repealed the law code that had become so clogged with fine print and footnotes that it hindered more than it helped. And then he started over. Instead of continuing with two groups of people separated by centuries of animosity and suspicion, he created a new kind of human being, a fresh start for everybody. Christ brought us together through his death on the cross. The cross taught us to embrace, and that was the end of the hostility. Christ came and preached peace to everyone, religious and unreligious alike. He treated us as equals and so made us equals. Through him, we both share the same spirit and have equal access to the Father. That's plain enough, isn't it? You're no longer wandering exiles without purpose or direction. This kingdom of faith is now your home country. You're no longer strangers or outsiders. You belong with as much right to Jesus as anyone. God is building a home. He's using us all, irrespective of how we got here and irrespective of anything we've done and what he is building. He used the apostles and the prophets for the foundation. Now he's using you, fitting you in brick by brick, stone by stone, with Christ Jesus as the cornerstone that holds all the parts together. Let's pray. Dear Jesus, we thank you so much for your life as we're coming into this Easter season. Let us not forget what we're celebrating in the awesomeness of who you are and what you've done. And we thank you that you are alive and that you live in us and that today you still desire to see people free from anxiety, free from depression and the things that haunt and tear us down. God, you want us to be full of joy and fervent and peace. And God, I just pray that for each individual here If there's anyone struggling with unforgiveness or harboring bitterness towards something, just mold our hearts to fit, to fit like you, God, that we would love one another out of the love that you have had for us. I just ask that each person here would be blessed this week and they would come to know your love more than they've ever known before. We ask this in Jesus' name. If there are those of you who have anything you can relate to with this, you desire to forgive someone or to experience that ultimate forgiveness, please come forward. We have a time for prayer, and we would love to pray with you. If not, happy St. Patrick's Day, and have a good rest of the afternoon.